What is up, everybody? Welcome to what would usually be a spring practice report video. But for today's show, I am going to give you guys kind of a recap of the Dallas Regional Elite 11, which I was at yesterday. You can probably see by my face, my arms are still pretty burnt up as well. Uh, as I spent close to five, almost six hours outside watching this incredible competition. It was a ton of fun. I, I had so much fun. I'm so many things I learned too that I'm excited to hopefully be able to be invited back next year, get credential to go back next year to do that. But we are going to recap kind of the players that I thought stood out and, and just kind of the competition overall. We will definitely get back to spring practice reports uh, tomorrow. So if that is what you guys are looking for and you don't want to hear anything about the Elite 11, I will catch you guys tomorrow. <music> All right, so if you guys were in my di in my Discord, in our Discord at Campus DeCanton, you saw me talking about Austin Novasad from the minutes I got there. He was extremely impressive. In my opinion, he was by far the best player throughout that entire competition. Uh, I mean, when I got there, we you, you've got to check in. And again, I had never been there before, so I was I was I'll be honest, I was nervous. I wasn't really sure what I needed to do. Um, I was trying to kind of see what everybody could did because a lot of the stuff they tell you is, hey, like, do not get in the way of a lot of the drills and all this other stuff. And they said there's like specific areas that the media can stand. So I didn't know. I thought you know there were certain areas we had to stand. We were able to kind of we pretty much had access to everything, which was really cool. Um, and it started out with drills that were going on um, all over the field. They had multiple different places um, or multiple different teams going as like six to four to six groups, if I'm remembering correctly. And they just had them all over Trinity high school field doing all different kinds of drills. Here is one of Austin Novosad in a short area drill. Right here. Right here. A lot of it is. Had it gone the opposite direction, I think you would so, I mean, you've got that right there. We'll go full screen and do it one more time here. Again, this is one of the, the short area ones uh, where there's just like they call HUT and, and they split this time. Like there's all these guys you see. That's kind of like the main group here where Austin uh, Novastad, the guy who just threw there, that they split them up. They move them all around. Uh, they rotate them through different stuff. And so you kind of can just move all around the field and, and take videos, pictures, all that stuff. Now, I just had my iPhone. Um, it was very interesting seeing the, you know, Sports Illustrated, Rivals, 24-7 Sports on three. Those guys were all there. They show up with their professional cameras, video equipment. Then there's little old Matty B with an iPhone. So definitely, again, things that I now know that I can kind of take into next year. But it was it was awesome. Um I, again, so started off with him when I first got there, they were doing these, these other drills that were just kind of off on the side. And I've got a video file of another quarterback here that I really liked. And that was Mason Welch, who I thought looked really good as well. This was kind of like the first set of drills. This is a really short video here. So I'm just going to throw it up just like the quick little drop back and they throw it there to the wide receiver. And that's where I started watching the quarterbacks. And I kind of stuck around in that area for a little while watching them do the short area passes before moving on to the other side of the field where they had some deep passing drills. That was a very interesting drill as well. It was it was fun to watch those guys do this. One of the guys who I'm about to show you guys a video of right now, Austin Gonzalez, who let me pull my notes up really quick here on him. So Austin Gonzalez, 5'11", 175 out of Lovejoy High School. He is in the 2023 class. Um, 
you know, he doesn't look 5'11 now. Again, I didn't get as up close to him as I did some of the other guys. You know, I'm like 5'9 at best, and he looked a, a little bit bigger than me, so maybe he was 5'11, but just for him to generate, like, I mean, that was a great pass. He was one of the guys who really impressed me in this deep ball drill where, I mean, just easy, I think nice and easy throw right there to his wide receiver. I thought he did a great job in the, in the deep passing drill. That's really the one that caught my eye. And so, like, I can't show you guys, but they give us rosters. There was, I believe, 96 players listed on there. And so, like, what I did, because I did not go into this looking at any of these classes. They had 2023, 2024, 2025, 2026, and they even had 2027 kids out there. I didn't look at any of these players because I wanted to go in completely like no idea who these kids were and just kind of go off who impressed me while I was there. And again, Austin from step one in that very first drill um, that we, I showed you of Mason Welch doing it was just like, okay, like this kid's got some serious pop in his throws, really good mechanics. I'm going to try and see if I can find the other one of him. Um, where I think this is the sideline throw here. Maybe this is the same one. No, it's different. Like, I mean, you can see right there, like, he's just very smooth, really good passer. I mean, just in every single drill was really, really impressive. They moved him again all around. So I was trying to catch as many different groups as I could. I didn't want to focus in on that group. I would say that was probably group one and the one that Austin Novus had was in, which also Jackson Arnold, who is the high-profile name there. I think a lot of people were talking about him. You know, I had a chance to talk to the 24-7 sports guy, Texas Ags, and rivals a little bit here and there. Um, and those guys were like, that's the guy they were talking about. And they were following that group the entire time. They would rotate him again all over the field, I didn't follow them. I kind of really wanted to pay attention to everybody if I could. I just kind of wanted to get eyes on everybody. So, like, I did just drop an article on campusdecanton.com uh, last night about my experience, and I was very honest about some of the players. Like, you know, Kevin Sperry, six foot one ninety in the twenty twenty five class, looked really good. I didn't get to see all of his drills though, but in the in the stuff that I looked, he looked really good. Jake Strong was another guy. He performed really well, and they had, like, combine testing stuff. He was also really good, 6'2", 200 pounds out of uh, Northwest High School. I thought he looked incredible in the deep passing, um, showed fairly decent mobility in the mobility drill, which I'll show you guys here in a second. Uh, but I didn't get to see any of his short and intermediate stuff because I was continually moving around the field, just trying to watch different groups at different times and catching them through all the different practices. It's something that – you know, I'm hoping in the future maybe we can have or figure out a way to get more than one person there. Now, I, w I did have my wife there with me, but we were both kind of working together, going through stuff. She was helping me take notes as I was trying to record videos. One of the things I wish I did was record more videos because I kind of didn't really start recording stuff till about midway through the things. I was like, oh, maybe I should take some videos to show everybody here, I think, is the uh, – mobility one so they literally have to just keep moving around in there there's a quarterback standing in front kind of telling them which way to move and then here i'll be quiet for a second so you can listen when you hear that coach go up oh, that's them they have to bail out of the pocket 
That was by far my favorite drill to watch. And that did not happen until the end of the camp. Uh, And that was really, I was, I was sitting right there on the sideline um, and I was watching every group come through there at that point, because I was like, I want to see every group come through the mobility drill and who impressed me the most through that. That coach was also awesome. He was really into helping those players out. They had literal middle school kids there as well. When I say 2027 prospects, there were 2027 kids there. He was helping them. He did all kinds of stuff. It was like pretending to be a defensive end, trying to grab at the quarterback, smack the ball away. Like that was a really intriguing drill about pocket presence, mobility. Again, Nova said was extremely impressive in that. Now I do have one of of Jackson as well. I think it's this one right here that I'm going to pull up. Uh, he did fall in one of them. I think it's this one where he kind of trips as he's turning. So, But still ends up, you know, they did have him moving to the sideline like this. Still really good throw. Um, I thought, in my opinion, Austin looked better in, in that drill. But Jackson did come back with a couple more reps and, and looked pretty good. But Austin Nova said was was the kid who just come like I said completely blew blew me away from the minute I was there with the very first drills where they were just throwing like short out out routes um, and sideline throws like he just he looked different passing the ball it's like okay like this kid is 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 really interesting again I didn't know anything about him so like I just had my paper he had three eleven on his his jersey sorry right, let's mark three eleven for this drill right here and let let's keep moving. And we kept doing that. And then, so there was a lot of players that I did mark throughout different drills that I'm going to go over here. Again, I, we're not allowed to show the roster, so I'm not going to show that. But there was a lot of different guys. Uh, Trey Owens out of Fair, Texas in the 2024 class, another guy in the short area, was really impressive to me. I already mentioned Kevin Sperry and Jake Strong. And then Mason Welch. Mason Welch really struggled, or at least in my opinion, in the short intermediate area, he is a 2023 guy. He was from Louisiana. They actually had a lot of out-of-state guys here, which was was very interesting. From Northwood, LA, again, in the 2023 class. Um, big, big kid as well. And I wish, I can't find the video. Maybe my wife has it. I mean, he's a grown man. He looks like he's 30-something years old. He is massive. Still did pretty good in the mobility drill, though. Not not quite as you know athletic-looking as Austin's um, Novasad, um, Mike. Hawkins, who we'll get to in a minute, or or Jackson Arnold, but still looked good. He had a really good arm, but he did definitely struggled in those first early drills, which was like short out route throws um, uh, that I, I saw. Caden Anderson out of South Lake Carroll in the 2023 class, really impressive in the deep passing and out routes, uh, corner routes. Jackson Arnold, same thing. He was kind of a guy who was impressing me everywhere. He's got like six spots next to him. So he was being really impressive. Um, I'm going to save uh, Bo for a minute. Jack Emerson out of Oak Ridge, Conroe, Texas in the 2025 class. Uh, corner routes, sideline throws, deep passing was really impressive to me. Austin Gonzalez, multiple hits for me here, especially on the long. Uh, he was the one that I showed the video of the long that was really good as well. Marcos Davila had five dots for me as well. At a Denton Ryan, he is in the 2024 class. He actually won the accuracy challenge for the 2024 class with 21 points. You could see it. I didn't get any video of him. I didn't catch him toward the end of the practice, unfortunately. So I didn't see some of his like uh, really like quick go routes and and quick like quick out five outs uh, to the sideline throws. Uh, but he everything else that I saw like he was on the money on everything. He was one point behind uh, Austin Novasad, who had the highest at the camp with twenty twenty with twenty two points that won the accuracy challenge overall and was for the twenty twenty three class. Um, Jack 
and I'm, I'm probably going to say his name wrong, uh, Hewer Camp out of Vandergriff, Texas, in the 2025 class as well. Um, that was really impressive to me and everything. And Graham Knowles out of South Lake Carroll in the 24 class, really good deep passing um, corner routes, kind of like in the mi- intermediate area. Did not see a lot of his short passing. And then Bo Edmondson, Lake Travis, 23 class, and the first couple of drills, like I said, it was really quick. It was just kind of like quick, short throws, out routes, uh, quick like hitching goes to the wide receivers. He looked really good. Unfortunately, and I don't know what happened, but he he suffered some kind of injury. Um, my wife and I were actually standing right by the medical tent at that time. He came limping over. Couldn't tell if it was like an ankle or a calf, but he never came back. Really sucked because I thought he looked really good early on. He's a kid that I would have loved to see more out of. He's someone I'm definitely going to dive into. I mean, Lake Travis has done a really good job of developing quarterbacks, and he did look good um, in those short and intermediate um, throws there. But it, it was a really great experience. I'm, I'm so thankful to Brian Stump and the entire Elite 11 crew for allowing us for campus to Canton to come out there. Um, I got to meet some very incredible people. I've got my XFL shirt, wrong arm, XFL shirt on. Legend Cavazos, the defensive back going to the Ohio State University. His father was there as a scout for the XFL. I got to meet him and talk to him for a couple minutes. Uh, there was a lot of interesting talk there. Um, and so for those of you who are subscribers to us at campusdecanton.com, there were some very interesting nuggets dropped about Quinn Ewers, uh, Arch Manning, Kay Klubnick, DJ Ugalele, or Uungalele. I don't, I'm sorry, DJ U. I feel bad because I'm really bad at pronouncing names. And I'm going to drop that here on the second half of the video, but that is going to be for subscribers only because those guys, uh, I mean, they got to see a lot of the behind the scenes stuff, more stuff than what I just showed here. Uh, we were talking in the discord all day while I was there yesterday, just kind of talking to them. I mean, I was like I said at 1130 in the morning, I was already telling, sending a message. Hey, this Austin Nova said kid is good. And he ended up winning the accuracy challenge. Got an invite. I cannot wait. Um, to see what he does in the finals. I'm, I'm rooting for him. He was really, really impressive to me. Um, but if, if you're a subscriber to the site, you guys will get to see the second half of this video that I am going to save for them. Again, guys, uh, definitely check it out. Elite 11 Dallas region was so much fun. Continue to pay attention to the Camps to Camp channel. We will be at five of the remaining six Elite 11 regionals here with different guys covering different ones. And we'll be giving you guys all kinds of nuggets throughout that stuff. And I'm going to do my best to be at the finals as well as possible to kind of cover that. So stay tuned for all of that, guys. Thank you so much for tuning in. We'll be back tomorrow on Tuesday with some spring practice stuff. And if you are a subscriber, stay tuned because now we're going to get into the good stuff. Just want to give myself an end point there. Give a couple seconds. So, I'm going to be honest with you guys. I don't know who the player was, but there was a guy who was at the Elite 11 camp. He was decked out in Elite 11 garb. That was apparently a first-round draft pick. According to Legend Cavazos' father, they were kind of messing around with him. He was talking about you know, how he's been with Elite 11 for like the past five, six years, and up until this year, Quinn was the most impressive guy that he, they've had at the camp. He was dealing with some stuff last year. Um, He actually, for those of you who don't know, had a double groin injury and had to have surgery on it. Like, he injured both of his groins, had to have surgery in his junior season, which is, and he never really kind of recovered from that in his junior year. Really kind of struggled. They, he ended up playing in the playoffs, Um, and they got beat by Kay Klubnick and Lake Travis, and a lot of that was 
they did not want him to move. Like the doctors told him if he tries to run, he will likely hurt himself. He's got to stay in the pocket. So that's what they built the game plan around. But they said he, they talked about how glowingly about Quinn Ewers until Arch Manning got brought up. At which point, and this was um, the gentleman that I do not know, and I'm just going to be honest, guys, I, I don't know what his name is, and I did not want to ask because I did not want to be that asshole. It's like, hey, by the way, what is your name again? I'm just some idiot at Campus to Canton. Um, a, a scout from SI, Texas Ags, and 24-7 Sports were all talking with this Elite 11 guy. He said that he believes Arch is going to Texas. He said he he's like 90-something percent sure that he's going to Texas. There was obviously a report that just came out uh, Monday, today, that they're making it feel like a second home to him. They think Arch can beat out Quinn next year. There was a lot of talk, and so I'm just going to be honest, and, and the reason I want to keep this part private is this was not a formal interview it was not me asking questions. I'm going to be 100% honest with you guys. I was eavesdropping the shit out of this conversation. We were sitting on the bench at this point. It was wrapping up toward, it was like the last hour of the competition. We were. I was literally recording the mobility stuff. And I hear them start talking about Quinn. And I'm like, oh. And so I just kind of like leaned back on the bench. And I'm just kind of like listening as they're talking. And they like Quinn, talked glowingly about him. But they said they think Arch is better. End of story. Plain and simple. They think Arch Manning is better than Quinn Ewers. And they think that whatever school Arch chooses, he's going to start year one. They think he's that good. I disagree with that. I know Austin, we did a little stages the other night, disagrees with that as well. We Neither one of us have Arch as our top quarterback in the 2023 class. But again, those guys do get to see a lot of stuff that we don't. So it does make me question that just a little bit. Like, okay, what is it that they've seen? What is it that they know? There was a lot of talk about how smart he was. He knows the game. He's going to be able to run any offense that he gets into. And they talked a lot about how, like, if Quinn doesn't go out there and ball out this year, he won't have that job next year. Then it's going to go to Arch. So that's how much they believe in Arch Manning. It was incredible to hear them say that. And... I don't know that I necessarily believe that. I'd be very surprised if Quinn wins that job this year, which they did say they think he will, regardless if, if he's ready or not. They did dive into a lot of talk about how Sark has got a lot of pressure on his head. You know, They're not going to fire him if he has another bad year, but I think bringing in Quinn, bringing him back, highest-rated quarterback and God knows how long, there's a lot of pressure on Sark to play him this year. If Sark does and say Quinn is good or okay – they think Arch will take that job next year. Now, if Quinn is really good, maybe Arch sits for a year, but they think that he's going to play right off the bat. So, again, just to hear someone say that to me makes me think, okay, they really think this kid is special. Going to DJ UNK Club, Nick, there was a lot of talk about that. He has, this guy said that he's talked to DJ recently. He thinks that it was all mental with DJ. It was nothing else. He's got the tools. He's a really good quarterback. He's got the talent. They said it was all mental for him. And they were blaming Dabo offensive scheme and recruiting. And this was interesting to me because Austin has said this before. And again, just proves to how smart he is, number one, and, and how it kind of made me kind of like, okay, cool. Like some of us do know what we're talking about because he kept bringing up like 
what made Trevor Lawrence so good at, at, at Clemson was he always had at least Amari Rodgers to dump off to because he was always getting open in the middle of the field. It gave him someone, if he couldn't get the ball to Justin Ross, or when defenses were double or triple-teaming Ross or Higgins, he had Amari Rodgers. DJU does not have that. And so there was a lot of them, they think, in the conversations they had with DJ is he was trying to force things because he didn't have that person to dump off to, and he wanted to. They do think Kate is good, and they also said that DJ has kind of said, like, it's put a fire in him competing with Kate because he's seen all the reports about, like, hey, Kate's going to win this job and everything. They would not be surprised if, if Kate pushes him. They don't think Cade's taking that job from him unless he just completely bombs later in the season, but they expect him to have a big bounce back. So we'll see what happens with that. You know, they said the same thing we've all said. Dabo's not afraid to yank a quarterback if he's not playing well, but they felt like DJ is going to be much better this year. He's in for a bounce back season. So I'm very intrigued to see that again. They know these guys. They've worked with them. They have. There's a lot of talk about that at the Elite 11 camp. This is a fraternity now. When you're here, you're part of our fraternity is the way that Brian Stump worded it. And, and I truly believe that. They talk to these guys all the time. It's what they're saying. They DM them. They talk to them on the phone. They text them. So I'm intrigued to see if DJ does bounce back. They really believed it. That was kind of the big stuff that I really got out of, out of that stuff and eavesdropping on the conversation. So Take that for what it's worth. These guys really believe Arch Manning is the real deal and and could possibly push Quinn. Um, I don't see it, but again, these guys know what they're doing. I'm, I'm very intrigued to see what happens next year, guys. Thanks so much for tuning in. Check out my article. I, I mentioned a couple of the guys. I did go into a little bit deeper detail on some of the guys that re- I really liked in the competition um, on Sunday. And again, we'll be back tomorrow with spring practice reports. Just kind of wanted to take a day to really talk about the Elite 11 because it was it was a great experience. And I'm, I personally am really excited for Austin and Felix and David and uh, Alfred, and I know someone else, and Kevin Coleman, uh, getting to go at their various ones and kind of see how they enjoy it, what experiences they have, and and the the quarterbacks that they get to see. Because, like I said, for me, it was so cool to see those two up front, Jackson Arnold and Austin Novosad, again, not even knowing who they were, and then coming away and be like, these kids are good. And now being able to go in and look at the tape and see if that matches up with what I saw at the Elite 11 competition is, is going to be fun for me. So I'm excited for them to do it again. We'll be back again tomorrow, guys. Thank you so much for tuning in and have yourself. What is going on, everybody? Welcome back to a spring practice report episode. It is Tuesday, March 29th. We are just 11 days away from most of uh, the spring games kicking off. I think there's like 20 plus on April 9th, it's a big day for spring games. We will have you covered with some reaction videos on those as well, but we will be leading up into that here very soon. Again, 11 days away from a massive day of spring games for today's show. We're going through seven different schools. Probably the next couple days, we're going to be hitting seven, eight or nine schools as uh, they are starting to get closer and closer to obviously wrapping up their entirety of spring practices uh there most of these schools are allowed i believe it's 15 practices and a lot of these guys are getting closer and closer to that being over with so we'll continue to hit you guys with a bunch of news with that stuff so let's take a ride around the country get you guys updated on some spring practice reports All right, so we are going to start at Miami, 
where Felix has got Tyler Van Dyke's big arm and ability to push the ball down the field has been a perfect fit for what Josh Gaddis is wanting to do here with their new offensive system and according to Miami beat reporters that he is spreading the ball all over the field. Uh, these wide receivers are running all different kinds of route combinations, and it's all just working together. Another big takeaway, completely different run game and everything they're going to be doing in, there in Miami. I still think Jalen Knighton's the guy there, but I'm very interested to see what that means. Tight end wise, it looks like it's going to be Elijah Arroyo as Will Mallory is out with the shoulder injury. They have not specified the seriousness of the shoulder injury, but he was seen at practice again today in a sling. If there's any kind of even decent um, shoulder injury, he could be out for a while. So it could be wheels up for Elijah Arroyo and Jaleel Skinner, the incoming freshman, you know, Will Mallory was definitely impressing, as was Arroyo, but he is out for a decent amount, at least right now. For the wide receiver position, you know, we've mentioned a couple guys, Rashad Smith, Xavier Restrepo have been have, have been separating. As of the past couple practices, it seems like Xavier Restrepo is separating as the top slot receiver. Rising sophomore Jacoby George is separating on the outside and has been making the most impressive playmaking stuff there. And Keyshawn Smith has been the other guy who's really kind of flashed on the outside here, especially going deep. Those seem to be the three top wide receivers as of now for Miami. So Brashad Smith was getting a lot of talk early on. He started to fade a little bit. It really seems to be Restrepo, Jacoby George, and Keyshawn Smith, who are now kind of the top guys for Miami as we are finishing up week two of practices for them. All right, let's go on over to the Big 12. We're going to hit a couple schools here. Baylor. Baylor has not had a lot of news come out, unfortunately. I've, I've looked very hard at a lot of this stuff, watched a bunch of videos, listened to a podcast. Like, There's just not a lot of news coming out of Baylor's camp, unfortunately. You know, coming into today, really the only thing that's come out of there is that they know Jerry or feel that Jerry Bohannon needs to play better at the QB position. However, the past couple days, it's been another QB that's quietly been getting a lot of buzz for them, and that is C.J. Rogers, the 6'3", 205, 0-star QB. He's been impressive with the throws that he's been making and a guy that they think has been the best quarterback out of everybody there. For me, I want the quarterback at Baylor for my fantasy teams, just with what they're able to do, the offenses that they run, so he's the guy that I might be willing to snag late in a lot of my C2C drafts. There's going to be two quarterbacks we mentioned today that I'm grabbing at the end of my C2C drafts that I think have some very sneaky upside going into the future. And again, the Baylor quarterback's one of them, and C.J. Rogers is getting a lot of love. Now, if Thiegel's watching, who's in our Discord, Austin Novosad is committed there and is coming out next year. So I do think he is the future. Uh, but C.J. Rogers is getting a lot of love, or at least quietly. There's been quote-unquote whispers about how impressive he has been here at Baylor. Going to Oklahoma. Evers. Nick Evers, the freshman, has continued to look really good. He's been very impressive in the screen game and then completing passes deep down the field. What's been fun for apparently a lot of the people to watch here is the fact that he's been able to hit players and make plays from multiple different arm angles and just looks completely comfortable. Doesn't seem like there's anything he can't do in practice. Are the reports coming out? 
At the wide receiver position, Marvin Mims, Theo Weiss, and Farouk seem to be the top three starters. Those guys seem to be the guys who are getting most of the love and all of the pub here at Oklahoma. So those are the three that I would definitely be paying attention to there. And uh, we've talked a little bit about it before, but just to reiterate, so Gavin Sawchuk is not in camp, and, and Javante Barnes is continuing to get a lot of love from this coaching staff. Marcus Major and Eric Gray are likely the top two. Um, I would think that Gray's probably going to get more carries, but from what I'm hearing and seeing, they really do like Major, so we'll see how those two split. Not looking good for my guy, Gavin Sawchuk, who seems to be the RB4 right now on the depth chart as he was not an early enrollee. Javante Barnes, who I want to say was two or three practice videos ago, we talked about how the coaching staff here just loves him. They say that he is special and different. Over to TCU. The staff has done a really good job here, apparently, of splitting reps between Max Dugan and Chandler Morris. Uh, they've been getting they're, – they're about five, four practices in now, and it's been even split for every single one of those practices. There seems to be a, a very equal split, too, on who is the better quarterback for the most part, but the past couple practices, Chandler has apparently had the better practices. He's had a bunch of throws that people were just not expecting him to make, and it's definitely made some more impressive ones than Max Duke. And I think all of us from the fantasy side of things want to see Morris win the job just because of what that can do for Johnston and DJ Allen whenever he's able to get onto the field. Um, but we'll see. He, he's definitely, at least the past couple of practice, apparently looked more impressive than Max Dugan, but neither has really pulled away from the job, and they are getting um, split reps. I do want to mention Sam Jackson, who I brought up a couple episodes as well. He still continues to get the third-team reps and is definitely locked in behind those two as QB3. Early on, he was getting a lot of love as for what he was doing at the quarterback position. It seems like he struggled, apparently, according to these reports the past couple. He'll make some really good throws and then some struggle to kind of really, I guess, deal with consistency here. Um, but they do like the way that he passes the ball, what he can do outside of the pocket, and he's made plays with his legs as well in practice. So Sam Jackson, the guy to watch for the future here for TCU. And then, interestingly enough, running back. Amani Bailey is the guy getting a lot of love here at a TCU camp for being the best running back because he is just completely different than the rest of the guys on the roster, and he brings an entirely different element to the backfield is the reports that are coming out of TCU. So talked a lot about all the other guys. Amani Bailey seems to be getting all of the love here for TCU in what he's been doing. I was trying to um, pull up. Um, sorry. Uh, Miller has been a guy. I know a lot of people have been very high on Keandre Miller has been a guy. A lot of people are very, very high on, and I think they're taking him pretty early to expecting him to be the lead running back for TCU may still end up happening, but I just went back through three different practice report stuff and then going through and looking at that stuff, watching videos on what they're talking about. And Amani Bailey is the guy who's getting more love than any other running back on the TCU roster. Last team that we're going to talk about in the Big 12 today, Texas. Not looking good for my prognostications here on Quinn Ewers, as Hudson Card and Ewers have both been kind of hit and miss um, in the drills here the past couple days. They have been working side by side. And if you ask a lot of the people there, they're saying right now that the edge is going to go to Card 
on who gets the job. He has continued to take the first team snaps as of even up to today, Tuesday, uh, according to a lot of the reporters over at Horns 24-7. Now, the reports have also said that Ewers is clearly the better passers and he looks better passing the ball. Definitely has been more efficient deep passing and in crossing routes. But right now, Card is not giving up this job without a fight. Like he is taking this to the wire. At least that's what the reports are saying. Again, you may not believe that. You may say, hey, there's no way they don't give the job to Quinn Ewers. And I think I kind of lean in that camp, especially after what I heard at the Elite 11. But the fact that everybody's talking about how good Card is looking, this is not coming from the coaching staff. This is coming from people who are watching practice and other reports. Some of it is coming from coaches as well. Like, it's not great for Quinn, especially because it's it's very well known that Sark runs a very complicated offense. And the fact that Card has had a year in that system, I do think gives him a little bit of upside over Quinn Ewers. <clears throat> There have been a lot of whispers, obviously, as well, about Arch Manning heading to Texas. He made a second visit here recently. There was a lot of reports talking about how they've kind of made it a second home to him. Don't overlook the other quarterback that came in this past year in Malik Murphy. He was at practice today uh, without a walking boot on. There are pictures of him going into practice without the walking boot. Looks like he is healthy. He did not practice um, he was on the sideline, but a, a definitely a promising note to mention that he did not have on a walking boot. All right, two schools that we're going to talk about really quick in the Pac-12, and then we are going to get out of here. Uh, that will get us through seven schools today. Again, plan is to do seven to ten schools every day this week to kind of keep you guys rocking and rolling as spring is, is coming to an end here. I'm going to go to Arizona. We already know, it seems like at least, that Jaden Delora is likely going to be the starting quarterback there. Um, all the reports are saying that he's going to be the starter. Cowing and Tet McMillan are continuing to just really impress there at Arizona. Uh, the quote that I have here is, the wide receivers are definitely the strength of our offense with the different sizes, combinations, and skill sets out there. I expect Arizona is going to be a lot of fun to watch this year. But again, I mentioned it on the very first episode that we talked about Arizona. Noah Fafita, F-I-F-I-T-A. I don't know if I'm saying his last name right, but he is a true freshman. Reports are that he has a rocket arm. He's mostly been running with the twos, but they think he has more zip. And in all honesty, he's just a better passer than Jaden Delora. I don't know that this is going to mean anything this year. But the fact that they're already saying that they think he's better than Jaden Delora, like, I would not be surprised if Fafita, this is not Fafita's job next year. And again, I want the, I want a quarterback. I want the quarterback in the Washington State offense. So, Noah Fafita, a guy that I guarantee you nobody is talking about outside of our spring practice reports, and I can guarantee you has not been drafted in a single C2C draft. Maybe someone who listened to a spring practice report a week or two ago when I mentioned him. Outside of that, he's not being drafted. I will 100% take a shot on him being my last pick. Um, just apparently is really, really impressing at camp, and that is what you like to hear from a true freshman. Don't know that means anything this year again, but maybe the future of the Washington State program. And I'm sorry, the Arizona program. I don't know why I said Washington State. I do know why I was thinking that. Washington, at least, because we're going to hit Washington last. They did open up camp today. All indications point to this is going to be a battle between Heward and Penix. Obviously, Penix, knowing DeBoer and, and working with him before, some people think gives him an edge. 
I still think Hubert's the better player and likely the guy, or at least I believe and hope that he's going to be the guy that wins the job. Jalen McMillan and Rome Odunze in camp today looked good in their first practice. Uh, we'll say that Sam Heward, so when he came into college last year, he was listed a little over six foot and about 195, came into practice today at 202 and holding. So he is up over 200 pounds. <clears throat> Again, excuse me. Let's see if that affects him at all mobility-wise or anything like that. I'd imagine it doesn't. Washington kicking off theirs today. A lot of talk about that quarterback battle. It's a one that I am watching very closely as I do think, obviously, Kalen DeBoer, one of the better offensive game callers in college football right now with what he was able to do at Fresno State. And even before that, they've got some weapons on the outside. And I really think that if Heward gets this job, and, and honestly, even if Penix does, although I don't think Penix has the upside Heward does, uh, this is going to be a fun offense to watch. And, and whoever the quarterback is in those wide receivers in McMillan and Odunze are going to be a lot of fun to watch. Uh, I've mentioned many times that that Heward and whichever Odunze is going later. So a lot of people are probably going to take Odunze, but that stack is going to be a lot of fun for CFF this year, but it's not his job yet, but I do think it's good that he's up over 200 pounds. So that will do it for us today. We back again tomorrow, probably uh, promptly at seven o'clock as Debbie debate kicks off tomorrow night. Um, with another 7 to 10 schools where we will discuss different spring practice reports. Everybody have a great night, and I will look forward to talking to you guys again tomorrow. What is going on, everybody? Welcome to another spring practice report video here. Uh, it is March 30th, so we are just a couple days away from April 1st. As I've mentioned before, a ton of spring games coming on April 9th, so... We are getting closer and closer to a big weekend in spring games. It's going to be a lot of fun. Like I've mentioned before, there will be a ton of reaction videos here on the YouTube channel. So make sure to subscribe uh, to the channel. Hit that bell icon so you're notified when all of these videos go live because we are going to do a ton of those wrap-up videos. Just quick reactions on what we thought of the spring games, which uh, there are a lot. We'll have a better number for you guys tomorrow. I just know it's a lot of them. Before today, we're going to take you guys on a quick ride around the country and update you on a couple school spring practices. <music> All right, so much like yesterday, we are going to kind of jump all over the place, but we are going to start in the SEC with Mississippi State. We know that Will Rogers is going to be the quarterback, and he's likely going to be good for you in CFF purposes. I know he's starting to get a little bit of NFL draft buzz. I kind of like it, and I kind of don't, but regardless, he's got to throw the ball to someone, right? We know Jaden Wally was a guy that Austin was really high on last year. There are multiple people in this rotation right now for those top three spots. Austin Williams, Caleb Ducking, Jaden Wally, Ledrick Griffin, Jameer Galvin, Christian Ford, and Jordan Mosley seem to be the main guys. However, Caleb Ducking, Austin Williams, and Jaden Wally are the top three that for the most part have been running with the one. So I'm leaning that way. Obviously, again, Jaden Wally was decent last year. He had his moments as probably the best guy to bet on just talent-wise. But there's a lot of moving around at that wide receiver position. Again, you, you want that wide receiver one in a Mike Leach offense. Those guys just tend to produce, um, but it's really not shaking out yet on what we were expecting. Speaking of possible good receiving options, and Ole Miss Lane Kiffin was pumping up versatile weapon 
tight end Michael Trigg today, talking about how excited he is, the size, speed, specimen, and what he can do in this offense. We already know he has that amazing connection with Jackson Dart. Um, and I do think that he's going to be good. If you look at Harrison Bryant, who's now in the NFL, uh, tight end for the Cleveland Browns, and what he was able to do at FAU under Lane Kiffin, I do expect them to use Trigg that way as well. There's not really a lot of like solid weapons at Ole Miss that I'm betting on. Like, Is it Jonathan Mingo? He was good last year before the injury. Does he bounce back and become that number one target? Uh, so I think Trigg is definitely an exciting and interesting person to bet on, especially because of how weak that tight end position is outside of really like those top couple guys in Michael Mayer and Brock Bowers. Speaking of tight ends that are impressing, Moliki Motavo, I think is how you say his name. I'm probably wrong, but the sophomore tight end out of Oregon. He has really been impressing with, unfortunately, Bo Nix at quarterback, um, which kind of sucks. Um, uh, Dan Lanning, um, sorry about that noise. Dan Lanning, head coach, was speaking very highly of Bo Nix uh, here today, the transfer quarterback. Now, doesn't necessarily mean that, that he's going to win the job. We could still be seeing Ty Thompson win it. Probably not great that he's not out there pumping up Ty Thompson and he's out there pumping up Bo Nix. But it also could be that, hey, he doesn't want Bo Nix to transfer out because we, we know how much it matters to have that um, depth there in the quarterback room. But Bo Nix has been looking good, as has Ty Thompson. And so has Maliki Motavo, who has really been impressing at the tight end position. Last little note here on Oregon. Byron Cardwell is just continuing to run with the ones, practically the only one from everything I'm seeing. So just wheels up for Byron Cardwell, which we kind of already knew in the earlier spring practice reports with the move of seven McGee to slot wide receiver. Uh, that kind of just seemed to be the thing. But now that the reports are coming out that Byron Cardwell has looked so well in practice, I think that's just even greater news for him. Texas A&M. So they have not had um, an open practice or – Actually, just any kind of practice for the past couple of days. The last practice they had was on the 28th. And what's interesting about that was Baylor Cup, who we now know is in the transfer portal, but he's been running with the one. So I just found that that it was very interesting that he is there. Uh, but Haynes King has continued to get um, – they're splitting the reps, but uh, from everything I'm reading, Haynes King is continuing to look really good in those reps with the ones. Amari Daniels is running at running back. You got Chase Lane. Anaya Smith and Evan Stewart continuing to impress with the ones as well. Max Johnson ran with the twos in the last practice. Ernest Crownover, uh, the running back. And then Jalen Preston, Moose Muhammad, and Yule Keith Brown. What is more interesting to me, and I'm just going to point this out again, there's not a lot of talk about LJ Johnson. And everywhere I look, whether it's Twitter, message boards for 24-7 sports, on three, rivals, Anywhere I look, I cannot find anything hinting at or talking about any kind of injury for LJ Johnson. Now, maybe they're just not playing him right now. Obviously, if he doesn't play in the spring game, I'm going to be even more worried. But he was a guy we were expecting to take a massive step up this season. It was Travion Henderson, Will Shipley, and then there was a lot of talk from myself included that LJ Johnson could step up and be that third running back in that class. He's not doing anything at spring practice, and that does seriously worry me, especially for a guy who's getting drafted as high as he is in our drafts. He may be a running back that I'm going to start fading hard because there's just no positive news coming out from him. Now, maybe he will that'll change in the spring game and moving into fall, but right now it's it's not looking good for LJ Johnson. Going uh, over to Florida really quick. 
Anthony Richardson, um, Florida had an open practice today. So some notes from that was that Anthony Richardson had some very nice passes, but he still can struggled to produce consistently. Um, while he does do a good job at times going through reads and making the right pass. And then a couple of plays, he doesn't, he stares down his receivers too much. Uh, obviously it's still early on, uh, but it's not looking good on that aspect of things for consistency and him not staring down his receivers. There are also reports though, that there's still a large gap between Richardson and Jack Miller. So that does, I think kind of mean wheels up for Anthony Richardson. He's been being drafted highly. There have been some, including myself saying, Hey, like, Jack Miller may fit what Napier wants a little bit more at quarterback. Maybe he's going to get the job. The fact that they're already staying seven practices in at Florida, that there's still a massive gap between the two. Typically you see these guys and these coaches saying like, Hey, it's close. It's 50, 50. It could go either way because they don't want these guys to transfer. Like Jack Miller's not transferring out more than likely. If he does, he's got a city year. So, they're being, I think, a little bit more honest about this. The fact that they're saying there's a big gap between the two is, is just nothing but good news for at least Anthony Richardson's stock. There are always talks, though, that if Miller were to be put in on duty, he would be good. Apparently, A. Rich's favorite target has been Xavier Henderson, who's been making a ton of great plays and been a very good deep threat. Justin Shorter has also been fairly good in the red zone in the past couple practices so those two guys getting a lot of love here as uh well from the the florida staff there was one more name and i'm sorry i forgot it i gotta pull my other note up lorenzo lingard as well uh demarcus bowman did have a good practice today as well there was reports that he broke off quite a couple uh runs there i still don't know that he unseats montrell johnson but hey if you know this might be the time to sell him if, if, if that those reports get a uh, kind of widely reported because i i just i don't know that it's there with uh, Demarcus Bowman going over to Memphis really quick. They also had an open practice here recently. Uh, Seth Hennigan just continues to look comfortable in leading the group. Jay Von Ducker seems to be the guy who is really impressing out of the backfield, um, especially in catching the ball. Uh, Grant Gannell has also looked good. All the reports are that he is 100% recovered, which I've mentioned a little bit ago. Um, still splitting time with the ones and twos. Uh, does look like Hennigan is getting more first team reps. So again, they're saying it's a battle, but based on seeing some of that stuff, maybe Hennigan is still going to be the guy. Uh, you guys know I'm, I'm a big fan of Grant Gannell, so I'm pulling for him. Uh, but it looks like it's at least right now Hennigan's job to lose. Going over to Notre Dame really quick, and this story, when I read it, just it, it brought a tear to my eye. It just it made me so, so happy. Austin's favorite running back, Audric Estime, has been looking really good in practice for the Fighting Irish. He has been considered this just like large tank running back who's just going to be like a goal line guy and, and run people over well. So far in practice, he's been making people miss in space. He's had sharper cuts than expected and has actually shown some very good explosive lateral agility. He's been impressing as a receiver on one-on-one -on -one drills as well and in scrimmage. And his three-on-three -three screen drill portion, he has been very good, including making linebackers miss him in the open field and then running them over. While they are they are still expecting him to likely be the short yardage goal line back, the fact that he's showing a little bit more explosiveness and he's showing the fact to be able to make defenders miss, they're saying he may be opening up more of a role for himself. Very, very intrigued because it's all been Chris Tyree and Logan Diggs, let's be honest. And 
we know that because Austin, when, when Austin speaks, he's a gospel around here sometimes at C2C, and that does drive ADP. Estimate has fallen a massive amount, and these reports, it wasn't just one. I found multiple reports about how good Estimate has looked the past couple practices because I've not really talked about Notre Dame in a while, so I was going back and looking at different practice notes. He's been impressing in multiple practices here. All right, let's go over to Cincinnati. <coughs> Excuse me. All right, so same thing with Cincinnati. I haven't talked about them in a while. I did a, probably two practice reports on them from the beginning of time, talking about the battle between Ben Bryant and Evan Prater and how it's very close. Um, you know, a lot of people are saying possibly Bryant because he's got that experience, but Prater, you know, his explosiveness, the athlete in him. There are now multiple people close to the team are saying that if they had to pick a starter right now to start on September 3rd, they're taking Ben Bryant. They're giving him the slight edge over Prater through seven practices because of just how good he's looked passing the ball. Now, they're still saying that Prater is right on his heels, and a lot of that is just because of what he can do off script, off, you know, off platform, whatever he can do with his legs. He, he's definitely a better runner when things break down, and that is where Prater is succeeding. But within the rhythm of an offense, Ben Bryan is just blowing Prater away on that side of things. And so it is looks like it's leaning heavier and heavier toward Ben Bryant being the guy for the Bearcats, which is going to be interesting because if he's announced the starter, what does Evan Prater do? Uh, I, I do like Prater. He's a guy that I was pumping up earlier this offseason at the past couple practice reports. So I've told you when I talked Cincinnati, maybe we need to pump the brakes on him. And the fact that there's multiple people who cover the team are now saying that they, if they had to pick a starter, they're picking Ben Bryant. That's got to be concerning. One big interesting note out of Cincinnati. The last time we talked about them in spring practice reports, I said that, you know, we know that Jerome Ford is gone and they don't really have a running back to kind of like replace there. So what are they going to do? My bad. Hit the wrong button. Um, Miles Montgomery, the second year back out of Jacksonville, Florida, who has prototypical three down size, has emerged over the past four practices and is the guy that is standing out seven practices through right now. So I think that might be a guy I'm willing to take a stab on. We know how they like to use those running backs. They do have four guys in there, but Miles Montgomery is the guy who's really standing out now through seven practices. I would bet on him. You know, again, he's got prototypical size. He can, he's a receiving down back as well. Is he going to be Jerome Ford? Probably not. But he's a guy who I guarantee you right now is not being drafted. So why not take him and then see what happens, especially if they're not going to have Prater there who could obviously take some rushing yards and everything from him. I don't think Ben Bryant's going to be doing that much. They may hand the ball off a decent amount at times here because Cincinnati, you know, maybe are not expected to make it back to the playoffs, but I'm sure they think that they can. Miles Montgomery, second year back guy to pay attention to. Two more teams before we get out of here. Oklahoma State has had a couple of uh, interesting practices here. Um, so Spencer Sanders is practically the locked-in starter here, guys. Um, he's looked very good in passing drills, especially to Talon Cetron, who has continued to impress with his size. He's continued to stand out and look like not even just the best freshman, but one of the best receiving options on the field. I mean, 
they are literally saying like he is part tight end, part receiver with what he's doing. Like his size and intangibles are just showing in every single practice. They're hitting him on fades to the end zone, you know, throwing up corner routes. Like it's it's ridiculous apparently how good Cetron is looking. He's a guy that I'm willing to take early in my drafts because I just think with the way they pass the ball, Cetron is going to have a massive year as a freshman, I think. And Garrett Ringhell, while he is not going to be the starter, I did just want to point out, is continuing to impress as well. He's a guy that I'm pretty sure Alfred was very high on in our freshman guide, a guy that he talked a lot about when we did our process going through the freshman guide. Um, He's continuing to impress. He's looking good. So I think he's likely the guy for the future there at Oklahoma State. And last but not least, Arizona State here. Uh, just a couple updates. So, Trenton Borgo, who I believe is how you say his name, is continuing to get most of the first-team offense reps. You do have Paul Tyson, who transferred in from Alabama, has run with the twos the past couple practices. Um, and they're still splitting time between Xavier Valade and Daniel Nada. Um, I don't know who I'd really bet on. I'd probably just avoid both of them, as I don't think that Arizona State's going to be very good anyways. Andre Johnson, Ricky Purcell, and Elijah Badger, Jalen Conyers continue to kind of be the guys there at wide receiver. A lot of people had asked about LV Bunkley Shelton um, as I was doing these things, and, and he is definitely dealing with an injury. Again, he is there, um, and he is with the team. He was suited up but did not do anything in the at least the parts of practice that the media was able to observe. So he's back with the team. He, he at least had and was dressed for practice, but with what they were able to see, he was not practicing. So that is your last update there. We will be back again tomorrow with more schools and more updates. I hope everybody has a great day. We will talk to you guys again soon. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to another spring practice report video. It is March 31st, last day of March. We've got April 1st and all kinds of spring games right around the corner. We're going to talk about the ones that are going on this week, and we've got games on Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. And again, that puts us almost a week, a little over a week away from a big weekend in spring games. As again, the ninth has just a ton of games on, and we will definitely talk more about that next week as we get closer into those games. But as of right now, we've got a couple teams to talk about today, so let's take a ride around the country. All right, we are going to start with Clemson, who had their second spring scrimmage the other day. Bo Collins, uh, unfortunately, has pulled a uh, pulled one of his hamstrings running routes, so he will be out for the rest of spring practice. DJ Ugalele has strung together great, great is the way it was described, spring practices, but Cade Klubnick continues to impress. Um, he has been as advertised and has been described as a sponge in picking up everything when it comes to the offense. Um, right now, we talked about it, I believe, in the very first spring video that I did, that Cade Klubnick had come in a little bit underweight. I think it was at about 180, 185. He is reportedly up to 190 right now, and the goal is for him to be right around 200 in August. So he's not going to put a limit on it, but he's aiming for anywhere between 199 and 205. Will Shipley has been in a green jersey the past couple days. He will not scrimmage and will likely not play in the spring game. So he's likely, for the most part, done for the rest of spring when it comes to practices. Moving on up to Oregon. Ty Thompson opened with the first-team offense today. 
He led the team down the field and actually connected with a beautiful ball down the sideline to Seven McGee, the new slot receiver, who had Jamal Hill all over him. It was apparently a great throw, great catch by Seven McGee. However, and this has unfortunately been kind of the trend, according to Dan Lanning, um, with Ty Thompson, after a few more nice plays, it was followed by a turnover. Um, the ball was tipped at the line of scrimmage and intercepted. Bo Nix led the second team offense. Uh, he threw a couple balls in the dirt, but did recover with a nice pass to Chris Hudson. Um, and then Jay Butterfield got a run with a third team offense and had practically no success, according to these reports. Um, none of the drives resulted in points. So there's that. Seven McGee, Troy Franklin, and Dante Thornton were the no were the ones out there. So very interesting offense. Again, we've talked a lot about it at C2C, at least Colin Decker and myself have. We would love to see Ty Thompson win this job because I just think he's more explosive and, and a more intriguing quarterback prospect than Bo Nix. I think we know what Bo Nix is. We don't necessarily know what Ty Thompson is and what he can be. Uh, but definitely I guess promising he was running with the ones. I still don't think we're going to have any idea who's winning this battle until like a couple weeks before uh, the the season kicks off for the Ducks. And I would lean Knicks just because he does have the experience in the Dillingham offense. But it's great to see, you know, more and more reports of Ty Thompson getting runs with the ones. And I'm going to be honest, great to see Seven McGee running with the ones and as the slot wide receiver, like, Again, I, I liked him a little bit as a running receiving running back last year, and to see him transitioning so well to this offense and as a slot wide receiver is definitely good for the Oregon offense. Just adds a little bit more explosiveness to it. Going over to Florida State, we know that they brought in some transfer wide receivers this year. Well, Micah Pittman and Johnny Wilson are making plays. In practice today, they talked about just how athletic they've been. They've been on full display for the past couple of days, including showing consistency in creating separation no matter what the coverage or what the route. Johnny Wilson and specifically Micah Pittman have been very good. In multiple scrimmages today, both came in with multiple touchdowns. Johnny Wilson had two. Micah Pittman had three. Um, Johnny Wilson has just been dominating with his size, and Micah Pittman in reports are has looked by far the best wide receiver at Florida State. Need to figure out exactly what's going on with the quarterback room as all three of them were throwing to both of these guys, but it looks like Johnny Wilson and Micah Pittman are making names for themselves. Uh, both transfers over here to Florida State both have been amazing, specifically today in an open practice and what they were able to do. North Carolina head coach Mac Brown is worried about the wide receiver depth. Makes sense. If you've been paying attention to everybody they've lost over the past couple years, um, they are trying to avoid downs being bracketed on every play because they know he is the star of this offense. So they are moving him from the slot to the outside back into the slot. They're practically moving him all over the field. When he is on the outside, it is Kobe Pesor and Gavin Blackwell who are making plays in the slot. Blackwell today specifically made a couple big plays uh, in practice out of the slot. What is interesting as well is tight end Bryson Nesbitt, who is getting a lot of love right now. The reports are that he has a very similar build to Kyle Pitts, six foot, about six two five, two hundred and twenty pounds. He has been working out of the tight end position, but they've also been moving him outside at wide receiver. Mac Brown has been saying they're doing everything they can to just kind of add more weapons to the field for whomever the quarterback is, again, so that everybody's not just bracketing Josh Downs. While I don't know that there is a 
thing as another Kyle Pitts. It is interesting that they are comparing Brian Nesbitt to that, or Bryson Nesbitt, I'm sorry, and that they are moving him outside, playing him in the slot at the tight end position. It's going to be interesting to watch moving forward. Uh, Mac Brown did have a press conference today, and he did say that there is only one person who has locked up a starter position outside of Gavin Blackwell in the wide receiver and running back room, and that is British Brooks. He is the only running back that has a solidified position. Everybody else is still competing, and he said somebody else needs to step up. Um, that, that being said, he did say that they are pleased with George Petaway. He is, and he is quote-unquote, he is so fast he can do things in space that's what he said so Petaway getting a little bit of love but British Brooks is the running back to at least start the season it looks like for the North Carolina Tar Heels going on over to Iowa there's not really been much to take away from the quarterbacks here but I feel like I haven't done enough of the ACC and the Big Ten so I tried to hit a bunch of those schools today uh, Spencer, Spencer Petras, though, has looked the best of the group, according to these reports. And Brody Breck has a wide receiver that is making a name for himself. He has been very impressive in running routes, been very technical, looked very clean, made some very good catches. Don't know that he'll be the starter. He is filling in for Jackson Ritter, who has been out and will be out all of spring because of an injury. But a lot of the reports are because of how good Brecht has been playing that he might be earning himself a spot in this rotation somewhere. Not that really, we really want to have any Iowa receivers, at least for fantasy. Just something to notice, something to note that, that Breck is looking really good here for Iowa. Michigan State had some very interesting notes, I thought. So I mentioned it. I've only talked about Michigan State probably twice at this point. And the theme of their practices, according to Mel Tucker, has been every position is open for battle. Peyton Thorne is, at least right now, the leader in the quarterback room. But quarterbacks Noah Kim and Caden Hauser are pushing, and they are getting a lot of love. Tucker said of Hauser, him coming in early was big for his development. He's already learning in the offense, and I could easily see him rising up the depth chart. He just has that it factor. Noah Kim has also been impressive. He was the third quarterback on the depth chart last year. He's currently listed as the two. While I don't expect either one of these guys to beat out Peyton Thorne, the fact that both of these guys are looking as good as they are in spring, I'm just curious as to what that means. I still think Thorne's likely the starter all year long, but Noah Kim is a redshirt freshman. So Hauser, a guy that I've been very high on, and a guy that I do think is a very good quarterback, if he's not able to beat out Kim to possibly beat the two at some point this season, could mean it's a very interesting quarterback battle next year. And maybe they do replace Thorne at some point if he's not playing well. I mean, Michigan State really good last year, obviously. If they lose a game early on, do they move on from Thorne? <clears throat> Excuse me. Very interested what the, what happens there. But the fact that Mel Tucker is, is pumping up Noah Kim and Caden Hauser, I thought was just very interesting. Many of us, including myself, um, have thought that Jalen Berger was going to be the new Kenneth Walker with the reports of um, him coming in there, obviously kind of like the same thing, transferring in from another school, had a lot of hype. Um, and reports are that he has been fine. However, the name that has been getting the most talk about being the most impressive in that running room, running back room right now has been Davin Pym. D-A-V-I-O-N-P, I'm sorry, David Prim. P-R-I-M-M is his last name. He has been a standout in practice. He's been physical and tough, and he's been getting a lot of love from Tucker as well. 
including him telling people to watch out for Prim, he's a very, very good player. So Prim getting a lot of love, not just from the media and what he's done, some of the other coaches and his head coach himself in Mel Tucker and how good he has looked in these spring practices. I don't know if he's going to be anything. I feel like that running back room is wide open with Badger. You got Berger. Now you've got Prim. I believe there's seven running backs listed total on the roster right now. So I don't know who it's going to be, but if Berger and Badger are gone, I wouldn't mind taking a shot on Prim late, especially with the love that he's getting. If he ends up getting the job, like we know what the running back can do in this system. So Prim, just a name to look out for right now. Over to Nebraska, they brought in quite a couple of quarterbacks this offseason. Casey Thompson, Logan Smothers. They also had somebody else on the roster. I can't remember his name at the moment. He's injured, though. He's not even competing. And a lot of the talk was from Scott Frost that they wanted this to be a quarterback competition and so let the best man win. Well, it has not been a competition. Nobody has really stood out except for Casey Thompson. And all the reports are is that he's practically secured the job at quarterback, good or bad, however you want to look at that. Oliver Martin has almost secured himself at the X, Alante Brown at the Z, and Trey Palmer in the slot. Why Omar Manning is competing with them. From all the reports, it seems like those are going to be the three starters for the Nebraska wide receivers. Now, why that matters to me, maybe they're able to do something. I know Scott Frost has not had that offense humming like he did at UCF. But Casey Thompson, say what you want about him. I know we love to give Felix a lot of crap on him. He is a good game manager, and I do think that he can get the Look what he did for Xavier Worthy, right? Like, I will say that. Now, none of these guys are Xavier Worthy, but maybe he can make one of them at least somewhat fantasy relevant. The most interesting thing to me, and I had no idea this was going on, so if you guys do know this, I apologize. I thought it would be worth bringing up because I had no idea. Xavier Betts is likely on his way out at Nebraska. Um, now he may not even unfortunately be able to enter the transfer portal because apparently he's having some kind of academic issues. And if he doesn't meet whatever this academic thing is, he cannot enter the transfer portal according to the reports that I read. So he may not even be able to leave, but he has not spoken to the coaching staff at all. They were supposedly supposed to have a meeting last Friday. He did not show up, which is obviously not good. I don't know what's going on with him. He was a guy that I was high on. I really liked. I thought he had a chance to be really good at Nebraska. Obviously, I I do agree. I do think that they didn't use him the right way, but a lot of the stuff that I read in that, including in that report, was he was also just not that impressive at time. At practice, he was very inconsistent. So I don't know what's going to happen with Betts. Um, definitely a little bit disappointing. You know, we saw this with Wandell as well. You know, goes in there with all this promise. Just they don't use him the right way. Goes to Kentucky, absolutely blows up. Was kind of hoping for the same thing for Betts here. But now with all these reports about him maybe not even being able to enter the transfer portal is obviously concerning because it looks like he's lost his favor with the coaching staff and even competing for a spot on this team. Last but not least, I just wanted to touch on Ohio State since I am doing a um, AAC, I'm sorry, ACC and uh, the Big Ten today. CJ Stroud is is continuing to get a ton of love from everybody that I've talked to and know, and and a lot of it doing to him co- directly competing with Jim Knowles. For those of you who don't know, Jim Knowles, Oklahoma State's defensive coordinator last year. Considered to be a very like defensive savanted mind, not maybe a great recruiter, but a really great defensive coach. And they're playing off each other. They're adjusting to CJ Stroud, and Stroud is adjusting to him. Now, Day and Kevin Wilson are involved in the play calling, but they are allowing CJ Stroud to have more control over this offense. 
It's going to be very interesting to see what Ohio State looks like this year. Um, you know, obviously they've got uh, Kyle McCord and Devin Brown in the waiting. But outside of some injury, I mean, there's no shot, in my opinion, that CJ loses this job. So does McCord actually transfer? There's a lot of questions we're going to find out. May 2nd, I believe, is the deadline for the second transfer window if you want to be able to play this fall. So we're going to have to tune in very heavily for that over the next month on if any of these guys transfer out, including all the other battles going on around the country. But I did just want to point out, you know, Stroud just looking impressive. And then I tweeted out a video the other day, if you have not seen it, G. Scott Jr. looking like, I mean, he is a wide receiver playing tight end, but just how embarrassing he is or how good he is embarrassing linebackers and safeties on him with the, the way he's able to move at 235 pounds is just, it's fun to watch. I really am excited to see what he looks like in this offense. I, I definitely think he, right now, I believe he's the two. I do think he was the one coming into this week, but Cade Stover, who had switched over to linebacker at the end of last year, switched back to tight end this year. Um, and it seems like he's going to be the leader in the tight end room, but I don't know that he's got the offensive talent that G Scott does. Excuse me. So, um, very interesting to see what they do with G Scott. I mean, he definitely gives them an advantage because you know defenses are going to be keying in on Marvin Harrison and JSN. And that gives them a guy in the middle of the field in G Scott Jr. who could do some damage. That is where CJ Stroud loved to find JSN last year because you had those defenses bracketing Garrett Wilson and Chris Olave and trying to take those guys away. So he just kept dumping it off to JSN in the slot. And there are talks that they're moving JSN all over the place. And even if he is in the slot, I think clearly defenses are going to be doing their best to cover him because he's the best wide receiver on the team currently. So I think G Scott could be a, a very interesting matchup nightmare for this offense. Curious to see what it is he's able to do this year. All right. Last but not least, let's hit you guys with the spring games this weekend. and We will get out of here. So tomorrow, Friday, Georgia State and Syracuse have their games. On Sunday, you have Southern Miss, Michigan, and Charlotte. And then on Sunday, Coastal Carolina and Louisville. So you have got five, seven games going on this weekend. And again, a ton more coming over the next week. We, we're reaching the end of spring practices. A lot of the teams that I just talked about were on like their somewhere between seventh and ninth practice, which are only allowed to have 15 over the spring period. So we're reaching the end of spring practices. Um, Again, these games, we're going to try and give you some wrap-ups of those. We'll continue to bring you guys more and more news as we uh, reach the end of all the spring stuff. So, guys, thank you so much for tuning in. We will talk to you guys again tomorrow. What is going on, everybody? Welcome to another spring practice report episode. It is April 1st, April Fool's Day. Um, not a lot of notes that I could find for today's stuff, but a lot of it is central in the Pac-12. So for today's show, we're going to take a ride around Pac-12 country. All right, so just four schools today we're going to talk about. Um, uh, again, not not really a lot going on spring practice report-wise. Uh, we do have a couple games. Uh, two that went uh, on today, actually. Southern Miss played as uh, has, I believe, I'm sorry, Georgia State as well as Syracuse. Um, I have not seen any updates on those, but I'll get those, and we'll definitely talk about that on Monday. Again, Michigan and Southern Miss Charlotte all go tomorrow. On Sunday, we get Coastal Carolina and Louisville. So I'm going to try and update you guys on all of those as, again, we lead into what is going to be a 
massive weekend next weekend for spring games. But on to the Pac-12 stuff for today. Arizona State, the offense is still struggling in practice. There's been a lot of miscommunication, um, players running the wrong routes, uh, wrong wrong play calls, uh, and the defense just seems to be dominating, whether that is a, you know, not a benefit, but a reaction to how bad the offense has been. I honestly don't know, but Arizona State's offense has just not been good. Dalen McLemore, I believe is how to say you say his name, really wasn't doing much uh, through the first couple weeks of spring practice here for Arizona State, but the last two practices has been practicing with the ones at quarterback and twos. When camp started out for Arizona State, it was Trenton Borgo and Paul Tyson, the transfer from Alabama. However, on Saturday last week, Macklemore started taking second team reps, and then twice this week, he has actually been practicing with the ones. A lot of the reports are it's still kind of hard to read who's going to be the starter here, but the one thing that was pointed out was Macklemore, who is a third-year starter, has just seems to have more zip on his balls than the other two just seems to be passing a little bit better. So that's something to watch out for. I don't know that we want the quarterback from Arizona state, but the fact that Macklemore has now jumped in here over the past couple practices and was an afterthought, it was all about Trenton Borgo and Paul Tyson. When we first started talking about these practices, I think is something to watch out for Elijah Badger, Ricky Persall have really established themselves as the top two wide receivers on this team. While there's still a lot of talk about how good LV Bunkley Shelton will be for them, he has been limited in practice due to an injury. Um, and and Badger apparently has been the most impressive and, and was last year as well, but that didn't translate on the field. So will that translate this year? I don't know, but Badger and Persall have really been the top two. Bunkley Shelton still getting a lot of love, though, from the coaching staff. Going over to the running back room really quick. Um, we know that it's likely going to be Xavier Valade and Daniel Nada. Nada is getting a lot of love, though. They're calling him a very slippery back who shows a lot of flash. They, you know, obviously the big question is can he carry the workload as their workload back? I will say that, uh, and I don't know how to say his name, uh, but their running back coach says that he thinks he can and that they will know if he can do it through the first two games. So when you hear that, that we'll know through two games, if not, it can carry the load. I feel like he's going to be the starter. He's been running with the ones a lot. I know Validate got some run with the ones in the last spring practice report when we talked about Arizona State. But the fact that you have the running backs coach saying we'll know through two games, if not, it can handle the, the workload or not, to me says he's going to be the starter. Um, I may be reading too much into that, but that's just my thoughts. Going over to Arizona, sticking right there in the same state. I know I talked about him on the very first time I talked about Arizona. Running back Jonah Coleman is just quickly becoming the guy in this running back room. He has been difficult to bring down, even by upperclassmen, according to this. He's been a legitimate part of the passing game. And there was a big thing here in this where not only did he make a big catch in the latest spring practice report, but there was a fumble and he was willing to jump on it and like beat out defenders to get the ball. Um, he also caught a ball with his fingertips in the end zone for a big touchdown. Jonah Coleman is becoming the hot name in Arizona. I promise you nobody's talking about him anywhere else. He's the guy that I would get for the running back position here for Arizona, which I do think is going to be a much better team this year with the team that they're building around. I mean, I've talked a lot about Noah Fafito, who I really like at quarterback, but you know Jaden Delora is going to start more than likely. 
the wide receivers. We it's probably been a little bit since we've talked about them. Tatora McMillan is just continuing to dominate. So Christian Roland Wallace is considered one of their best corners, physical corner. Um, and, and he has been going almost one-on-one with Tet every single practice, according to the reports. And for the most part, Roland's kind of been getting the better out of, of him, except for these past two practices where McMillan is really starting to hold his own. He beat him for two touchdowns today, one where he beat him off the line, and another one where he got him uh, on a comeback route where also scored a touchdown. So Tatora McMillan, we talked about it, was making great catches on the sidelines, uh, just kind of really showing off in that first practice, has really started to continue to make a name for himself. And then according to this report, and, and you just love to hear this, right? Jacob Cowing has been impossible to cover with one defender so far. Now, maybe that just speaks to Arizona's defense. I don't know. But they've said his speed and just overall vision of finding holes in the secondary has been incredible and on display in every single practice. You can see why he was one of the best receivers in the portal. He is just getting a lot of love. And then Anthony Simpson has been as well. He's kind of been the third guy, but he's been getting a lot of love as well, making a couple one-handed catches in practice, really impressing the coaching staff. But again, Tatora McMillan, Jacob Cowing just seem to be the dudes in Arizona's practice. And I think we'll get a fair amount of workload with Jaden Delora being the quarterback. So those are two guys that I would definitely target. I said I, I was much higher on Tet than most of the guys in the freshman guy. I know he fell fairly down for us, but I do think he's going to really kind of shoot up. He's going to be one of those guys I think we maybe kind of regret ranking as low as we did. Going over to Stanford, I posted this run earlier. Uh, last night, actually, is when I saw it. Uh, but EJ Smith continues to impress at Stanford's practice. He had a couple really long runs um, in practice. And uh, Coach Shaw has been very complimentary of Smith, saying that he's exactly what we hoped for. We saw this out of him in last spring. Now we're seeing it again. We're really excited. Hope he stays healthy so we continue to see this in season. So, again, EJ Smith. I think he's a really good running back, taking away the fact that he's Emmett Smith's son. That has nothing to do with it. Watching what he was able to do against a Texas competition um, as a freshman coming out, as I did write his freshman profile um, at that time for a different website. He's a guy that I've been a really big fan of. I think he can do it all. You know, he's not the fastest back, uh, but I think he's shifty enough. He's got enough speed, really good receiving back. I'm very interested to see what he does here at Stanford. Talk about him being a receiving back, though. You need Tanner McKee to get him the ball. McKee has thrown picks in multiple practices. Now I know, may not mean anything, right? Go back a couple years ago, Jimmy G, 49ers practice, threw like five interceptions, and then he took that team to the Super Bowl, I'm pretty sure, that year. I'm not saying Tanner McKee is going to take Stanford to the Pac-12 championship and into the playoffs, but I do want to note that he has been throwing his fair amount of interceptions in practice um, and that Bradley Archer and Kale Lucas have looked the best at wide receiver. Don't know if that's really going to matter, but I wanted to point that out. Last but not least, we're going to go to Washington, who is now two practices in here. Uh, the There was an 11-on-11 session today. I'm sure you guys saw it. It was kind of making the rounds anywhere, everywhere on Twitter. Penix hit Rome Odunze for a about 60-yard touchdown uh, pass. Was said to be a really good pass that he just dropped it perfectly into Odunze's hand, who was able to get by cornerback Mike Michael Powell, um, and, and it was a beautiful throw. However, the part of the story that is not getting reported is that Sam Heward found Giles Jackson um, with a beautiful throw in between two defenders. Um, the zip on it made... 
Uh, Jamarcus Shepard jump up, who is the quarterbacks, uh, not quarterback coach, I'm sorry, the wide receivers coach, because uh, Jackson did get a nice catch on it as well. And parents and players in the stands to drop a bunch of oohs and ahs. So it wasn't all about Michael Penix, but he was running with the ones, so it does need to be stated. Um, right now in this past practice, it was Penix with the ones, Heward with the two, Morris with the threes. Um, it is being reported by, I believe, their quarterback coach and obviously Kalen DeBoer, who is their head coach. I'm trying to pull up what his name was again. I'm sorry. Um, I don't know where it went. I just lost it. It's where is it? Ryan Grubb. Uh, that they it will be a full-on competition. Now, again, it needs to be stated. If you guys are in our Discord, you saw um, the conversation between a bunch of us today. I mean, Michael Penix knows DeBoer. They were together in Indiana, I believe, for a season. Um, and, and I believe he recruited Penix and Penix chose Washington over UCF. So he clearly feels he's got a chance to start here, but I don't think it's his job. I do think it is an open competition between the three and I will state again. We saw what Jake Hayner was able to do with Washington. I just feel Sam Heward is better than Penix as a prospect, as a quarterback fits the system better. I think Heward's going to win the job, uh, but it would, would it surprise me if Penix does? No, of course not. Ooh, I'm about to sneeze. Sorry. Uh, because Penix has been a starter in the system. He knows the offense. Um, so I'm, I'm very curious to see how this battle goes down. Obviously, great first day for Penix to hit a big play to Odunze, but Heward was good himself as well. We just didn't want to talk about that because, yeah. So that is it for my spring practice reports today, though. Not much going on. Uh, a bunch of teams kicking up practice again today, but haven't really seen many updates on those. And then tomorrow, we've got the spring game. So I'll post some notes on those um, if I'm able to watch most of them. Uh, and then we'll obviously recap all of those on Monday. Everybody have a great day, great weekend. We will talk to you guys again next week.